poor man, he didn't know what to do with us when he got there. He had three shabbiest women in India. <laughs> <laughs> and he bravely took us to a British club, I tell you. He crawled dinner, in overalls and so I think really Duncan took it very well. <laughs> but it really was. Well, then we got a message from there to go on to Derridoon. And that was from there. I personally was sent back to England from Derridoon. He said to me, um, on May the 1st, you will go back to England. Well, I mean, having had so many dates given me before and all sorts of things, I, I had no idea whether I was going back to England or whether I wasn't. However, I packed half my rags and the other half I gave away very kindly to the reactor who was thankful to get them. And on May the 1st, I left Derrick Doom with Baba and Cousin. And we went on a train down to, first of all, to New Delhi. And a very strange thing happened on that night. <coughs> I travelled in the same compartment with Baba, which was not usual. He signed to me to go to sleep. You know, there was a nice slatty thing to sleep on. It's fine. However, I went to sleep. But every time I woke up in the night, there was Baba sitting, a bolt upright, and looking at me. And he signed every time, go back to sleep. <laughs> in the morning, when we arrived at New Delhi, this is no night journey, it wasn't a very long journey, he got out of the train, didn't even say goodbye to me. <laughs> and I went to the... Um, I was taken by Donkin. Donkin's in charge of all of us at these strange moments. Took me to a waiting room where people sit all day and wait for trains, sometimes two or three days. And um, I sat there and I, I think I managed to get a bath or something. And later on, in the, uh, I was still down by a night train to Meribah. I hadn't been alone. I hadn't been out in the world for seven years by myself. There I was, landed on this platform with just enough money to get me down to Meribah. And um, in the afternoon, the, the ayah, the woman, the waiting, the woman in the waiting room came to me and said, someone wants to see you. So I thought it was Donkin again. He'd already very kindly offered to take me back to that club for the lunch. I really wouldn't disgrace him because I tell you, I had a solar token and it had had rain on it. And so it was down like that at one point. You know how solar topi is nice and round with it. It was down like that. And the only dress I had was an overall. It was not a dress, not at all. And so I said, no, I'd rather stay here from the station and have lunch. Well, this, I thought it was done to come back, but it was Bama. And he came to say, uh, he didn't say much. He just said, um, you go back to England. He'd already given my, me other orders to what I was to do. And uh, he embraced me and said, your heart's up here somewhere. He said, take my love to the West. And that was handed out, but quite from the wrong place. <laughs> and he turned out and left me. And that was, uh, that was the end of that piece of ashram life. Well, that was the end for me of ashram life. Uh, but it was the, uh, it was 46. 
and he told me to get to America. <coughs> and I said to Bob, oh, I want to get to America. There are priorities. You know, that was in the days when people were traveling on priorities. I said, I had no priority, and I had no money, and I had no job, and how can I go to America? You know, the <coughs> British were only sending people to America who were going to make dollars. At the end of the war, they were broke. And, and um, I didn't think I was going to get any help from anywhere. But um, uh, this, um, I went back to England. I had difficulty to get out of India, of course, because that again was priorities. But Baba always arranges things in the most curious way. They seem like accidents. I went to the, <coughs> I went to the American Express office to try and get things on a boat to come back. And the man said to me, you won't get on a boat for three months. Boat for four. It's no chance. You have no priority. I had no priority, you know. And uh, so then this man, in the American Express, turned out to be an Englishman. He was doing that. And he said to me, I do envy you going back to England. And so we got in conversation. And he said to me, I spent my childhood sailing on the Norfolk Wars. And I said, so do I. <laughs> Why should I find this man? Well, anyway, <laughs> we got talking about Norfolk Broads and talking about some of the broads that had nobody knew about, and we'd both been there. So he said, now listen to me. <laughs> Go back your suitcase. And if there is um, if there a boat comes in and somebody gets off the boat, I'll give you the place. <coughs> so it was within ten days I was out of um, I was out of India. And, uh, but always these strange things happen to you that you get where Baba wants you to go. And he obviously wanted me to get back to the west because I travelled in a cabin with uh, about other people, eight other people. They had uh, these monkeys, you know. And one woman was saying very grandly to her pain, Oh no, my husband is a friend of the Maharaja of so and so, and it only took us two months to get our tickets. And I nearly said, You should know where I'm going. Well, I there were so many adventures in the ashram. Now, uh, this was not Maribad Hill ashram, but after mm -hmm. I was sitting by the mad dog, Father said, <laughs> I had to be with him all the time. So he went away with the girls, Mary, Money, and uh, I think Balu, uh, and he said I had to be with them. And we went to a place called Rangabad, which is... Uh, Purely an, or was purely an eastern town. There was nothing. Uh, I don't think there was anything western in it anyway. And we lived in a um, house next to some Mohammedan people. And uh, Baba had, for you could say, night. The man who ran both houses, you know, was eating out of Baba's hands and putting on a new roof on the house for Baba. He didn't know who Baba was, and uh, it was. Um, 
because he Bob was having all his own way with this man and afterwards he told him who he was and the man became his disciple but before Baba had charmed him so much he put a new roof on this house which was leaking a bit and uh, at, at this uh, uh, place we were near a place called Dolatabad and Baba said we should go to Dolatabad um, for some days and we drove there he didn't tell us what it was all about and when we arrived there it was just a bare hillside there was no village nothing but there was a dark bungalow you know what that is don't you where people sleep you just uh, go in as a guest there's no furniture you take your bedding roll and you go in there was a um, um, a dark bungalow there in which some very important British official was living but somehow the British official found himself being moved out and we moved in we never knew quite what mm. happened or how Barbara fascinated this man or what happened but we had the house mm. and um, uh, uh, Barbara did not <laughs> people didn't know what happened to him sometimes I'm sure we uh, this uh, the next day suddenly from in every direction bullet carts came with people and they um, lined them up and made streets with them and they were all uh, settling down there apparently Baba had taken us to a um, Mohammedan festival somebody asked me about Mohammed, Mohammed just meeting and I've forgotten about this it was a Mohammedan festival um, they were moving the bones of some Muslim saint from one place to another about a mile and all these people came crowding there and Baba of course loved to be in crowds you see especially when their minds were on something he could get action you see their minds were but definitely on the moving of these stones and they are very very natural people i saw some of it uh there were i don't know how many streets they made with these uh carts and they brought a circus with them and uh baba took <coughs> to the circus which was uh, something so incredibly strange and beautiful it was rather like um there were no lights light it up there's some oil lamps there were lions very mangy looking lions and some acrobats very bad acrobats <laughs> it was a real bad country circus and Baba took us in and um, we sat there were some railings here and this is the place where all the lions kept coming down but we were turning to look at them I think oh glad Baba was there just between me and the lions because <laughs> <laughs> any moment the lion would do this but um, this, this, uh, it was in a sort of circular iron thing, uh, bars. They went up to a circle like this, and it was dark outside, <coughs> outside these uh, uh, bars, and it was like a dark Picasso. They were dark, dark faces, all peeping through, and just these strange flickering lights from the uh, uh, from these uh, oil lamps and um, 
when it was over we went outside and there was a beautiful elephant he'd got his foot on the ground going through all his paces again and I know we stopped at Bob and watched him for quite a time well the festival uh, we uh, Baba walked about and he took us into uh, some of the Mohammedan um, not temples, I've forgotten what the name of them Anyway, he took us in and I was absolutely terrified. I probably was the only Westerner. I was there with the girls alone. There was only Mary and Manny and um, Balu, I think. I've forgotten who the third one was. And he kept taking us into these places. So I pulled this very shabby uh, hat down over my face and I hadn't got a sari or I would have worn it. But I tried to look as unwestern as I could because you just can't go into their places. Well, however, I kept as close to Baba as I could keep when we went in. And uh, they accepted Baba. Apparently, both Hindus and Mohammedans accepted Baba as a saint, not as the Adkar. I mean, it wasn't the term they used. But he was accepted by all these people, which was quite wonderful. And we used to walk along the street with him. And we always had to keep between Mera and the crowd. They never should touch her. So there were always the four of us, the women, round Mera, so that she was never touched by a man. But she could be there with us. And uh, then it was a wonderful sight, as a matter of fact, because every dress the women wore, they had at least four bright colours. And that was like a flower garden. Then the uh, procession was going to start, and these people are so passionate and so wild that the British Raj sent down uh, rows of soldiers to line the road. And even then, they nearly broke through when they started to carry the bones down the hill. They nearly broke through these people. They wanted to touch the bones so much, the casket was in. And so the, they had to fire into the air half the time to keep these people quiet. Because they were dangerous. <coughs> you never see anything like them. I thought, well, I'm glad they don't know I'm a British woman. Because Baba then took us to sit on one of their walls. Do you know the walls with the archways? And we sat in one of the archways. And um, Baba kept coming in to see us. The brother had seen a mast somewhere in the distance. So he abandoned us to the mercy of any Mohammedan kill us and he went off. <laughs> <laughs> he loved the masts. He really and the idea of a mast being there, Baba was off. He really loved those people. And um, at the end, when these people got down just to go into the uh, doorway which was beneath that, just beneath the window where we were sitting. They finally broke through. They broke through the soldiers and they nearly wrecked the uh, casket with the um, with the bones in. It was, it was, they were really frightening. Their faces were so wild and so passionate. You could just see them having a riot. They didn't touch these bones. Well, they finally got the casket in safely, but it was... I've never seen anything like it. It was uh, dusk. There wasn't much dusk in India, but this was dusk. And they had all these colours and all this madness. And you looking down on them, it was the most strange and extraordinary sight you could imagine. And uh, Baba did stay with us during that time when they were passing into the uh, 
I knew. I thought, well, I thought that I'd never go out in the world again, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I became Queen of the Garlic. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I reached the Royal Family. <laughs> <laughs> but I must say, I reached that high point just before I left um, India. <laughs> I saw some beautiful onions over there. You know where Saint Mohammed lived? You went with the Saint Mohammed? And we went in a large building there. And you remember this uh, little boxing place where Baba wrote this secret book? You remember that? We all crawled up under there. <laughs> it's very difficult to crawl in and out, but you remember? Oh, was someone storing onions there then? Yeah, somebody has some beautiful onions up there. I almost want to take them off. That's one of those red. They were red ones. I really like the look of them. Margaret? Yes? Uh, why don't you... I don't know if many of the people know about the story with you and the mad dog. Uh, people from New York have a chance to hear it. Have you heard the story of the mad dog? No. No. I heard the story of the mad dog. Well, it's a very long story. Oh, good. But uh, if you want to, I can. We don't want to talk about mad dogs today. Well, we were up in um, Lahore, Baba. And uh, we had. Baba had there two houses instead of one. The whole, the whole of the women were there, and the they were divided up into two houses, and the men had another house somewhere else, the mandarin. And uh, the barber, the people he put in one house uh, were not to see Baba while we were in the hall. <coughs> and I found myself being put in this house, and then some, uh, I had. I, I can tell you, I was upset, you know, I thought, here I am in the middle of India, come see Baba, and I'm going to be two months in the house with a lot of Indian women, and I'm just not keen about all this, and um, someone said in Baba's hearing, well, it serves Margaret right. I don't know what I'd done. <laughs> and Baba promptly put me in the other house, <laughs> 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 he bounced it up. So I was all right, I was with Baba in this house. Things, strange things happened, I can tell you, and that was one. Now, we, all through India, where we've been touring, we've been allowed to feed those poor dogs. You know, there are a lot of these dogs about in India, pariah dogs, they're called. Uh, <coughs> they've been left behind by the, when the British Army moved, and so they had to leave their dogs behind. They were all hungry and thin and miserable. And we'd always been able to give them scraps. Well, when we arrived in Lahore, Baba announced that these dogs were not to be fed. So we accepted it. But, Mera, whom Baba never crossed, you know that, don't you? But, but she was trained differently from us. We crossed. Everything we wanted, we were. You know what I mean? It was a hard time for us. Mary went the other way around, which is a possibility, but only in the hands of someone like Baba. 
You see, her son's girls were moved, but by never crossing that, we never crossed it. We were Mary wanted something that was there. And Mary, for some reason, suddenly said she wanted there was a black dog. Some large water spaniel uh, came onto the compound, and Mary said she wanted to have this dog fed. So there we were. Father said, you may all have this dog and feed it if Margaret will bathe it. Uh, Margaret will bathe it now before you have it. So I looked at this dog and I, I really didn't like looking at it very much, but I said, of course. And you know, when always does when Bob says, bathe the dog, you bathe the dog. I said, but might I feed this rather wild looking animal for two days before I bathed it? I said, I thought that it would begin to know me. So I did that. I was allowed to do that. And then the dog was bathed, and it looked very presentable, and we fed it. Now, this, another dog appeared on the scene. Wow. Oh, no, Bob went away to Kashmir. And he gave us all loving messages and, you know, behave yourself while I'm away. And he heard of a must. He, he must spend his time to go to a must. He heard some very important must up in Kashmir. And he called me and he said, this was the only time he did it. He said, now, in my place, will you please obey Mara while I'm away? And so Mara was never objective. She was always sweet and gentle. So, and actually, I'd have had to say yes if even she hadn't been. And I said, of course. So the, I was left with this order. Now then, along to the garden comes another dog, a brown dog. It had a hole in its neck. Well, none of us knew enough about mad dogs and things to know, realized this dog had been bitten savagely. So I bathed the dog and put some uh, disinfectant in its neck. And uh, I think one of the manly took it back to the village where it came from. Mary didn't want to keep it. She just wanted it bathed. So the dog went back to the... Uh, well, no, nobody knew until afterwards, and someone came up with this story, that the brown dog, on the way out of the ashram, had scratched the nose of the black dog, bitten it. Not bad. <coughs> and as I say, we didn't know anything about that dog. Well, there were a lot of them about in India. Some weeks later, when Baba was back, the black dog had been behaving a little strangely. But along comes this poor old brown dog again. And he went, uh, he was walking like this. If you see a dog walking with his legs, and you're sure, pretty sure it's got hydrophobia, and his eyes were crossed by this time. And it went to the, all around the water chassis, looking, looking at and then drawing away from water. And Baba, who saw it through and just said, that dog is mad. He must be taken to the mandalay. And he he said, uh, someone on the other had to take it. And this person said, no, I'm not taking mad dog. And he said, well, then Margaret must. <laughs> I got a very good, I got a very good uh, puke ready. I tied my slacks around the ankle and I put some, some socks up over them and I got a high collar 
I mean, I thought I wouldn't give it much chance to bite me. I talked myself up as much as I could. And uh, I got the dog safely to the gate, the brown dog. And uh, it really was mad. And it was taken away by some people. And I think they drowned it or something. I don't know. Anyway, poor Jimmy. Damage. It's done its damage. It has bitten the black dog. And the black dog, after a week or two, uh, started to have its legs turning and hide behind things. That was one of the signs. We didn't know. Nobody knew. Only Bob and he didn't happen to see the black dog at that time. The girls didn't know. Nobody knew that these were the signs that the dog had rabies or hydrophobia or hydrophobia. Well, I don't know whether they the same problem. And Kitty said to me once, the dog was lying outside the gate. I'd been feeding it all this time. And Kitty said, take the newspaper over to the other house, you know, where poor miserable people were living who weren't seeing Baba. She said, take the news, daily newspaper, because it was the war news, and uh, give this dog, the dog lying outside the gate, this bowl of milk. So I happily went outside the gate, put the milk down in front of the dog, the left side was completely and the dog had a fit, you know, as they do, and it rushed for me, and it didn't hear on the roof, it didn't there. And I went back into the, um, in, I didn't go on over to the other house. I went in and I, I, I met Baba. Baba was, Baba was waiting there, and he said, uh, what's the matter? And I said, dog is sitting there. I'm not sure if he's mad or not. So uh, Mary got some permanganate and put in it, some stuff of dog And they finally said to Neil, the doctor, you know, Newcastle, and he came along and uh, said I was a hypochondriac. Well, that's a hell of a <laughs> because the dog was mad. And the dog was mad. And so now here's something that Baba did. That night, I was lying in bed, and Ron and I were sharing a room and, uh, that uh, went on the lift, uh, was on a balcony. And we were outside the room, the floor of the mandarin, and the medical book. <laughs> they were all turning over this book, reading all the things about hydrophobia and I was not sent to a pathologist or anyone, and the next day I was not, and my glands were up like this, here, and my glands were up under the arms and in the groin, and everybody, and then Baba sent for me and said, <laughs> Baba said the tumor really, you see it afterwards, I didn't see it at the time, he said you don't look very well. <laughs> 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 I, and they say, you're not eating very well. Now, you may have, says Baba, spelling on the board, you may have some jam for breakfast. <laughs> 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 
and uh, Lahore Museum might have known about. And when we arrived at the Lahore burial, the Parsi burial ground, which is famous, I believe, for its beauty and its shrubs and its trees, I just stayed in the car. I didn't go in. Baba hadn't ordered me to go in. I went. I took my priest, but I didn't go into the burial ground. I just left. And uh, then, Baba, we went back to Mirabad after that. And uh, Baba was then going to this place I told him about, the runabout. And he told the rest of the ashram, which, if it hadn't been for the mad dog, there would have been an uproar of jealousy. He said, why Margaret has to feel like this? I have to keep her with me. And so I went off with Baba and the girls, and we had to stay behind the ashram. So the old mad dog did some good. <laughs> I, had, I think I had months with Baba until it was over. And the wrong about it wasn't over. And I had to carry in the milk from the gate every morning, and it, you know, it almost tears your esophagus to pieces inflammation. Uh, I was certain, though, that Baba was not going to let me die of this, but still there was always the possibility perhaps it was my feet. So, Another thing he did, <laughs> you don't, water makes you, brings on paroxysm, if you have one, you're done for. And water is the thing you just avoid, anything liquid. So he sent me to teach Mary and Money to swim. Because in my mind was, am I going to, when I see the water, or when I get into it, am I going to bark, or whatever you I've seen, I've seen mad dogs afterwards. I went to Elizabeth to a dog-based veterinary, uh, and uh, there I saw some mad dogs. So I knew what it was all about after, after it was all over. No, I think it was before I didn't know. And um, this this went on for about uh, I didn't meet Baba. I was with him the whole time. Whether the whole ashram was there, or only the four girls, I was with him, so that was mild. So the dog did me a lot of good. <laughs> but, uh, strangely enough, uh, they say that uh, things in the ashram sometimes worked out by bubbles outside. The British, at, at the end of the six months, I had a cat to look after. The monsoons came, and this cat had been sleeping in my room. And by the night the monsoon arrived, after this cat goes out, and I was horrified because this poor cat had been made a cake off by, by by everybody, and it was to be thrown out in the monsoon. And uh, so, I, I think it was not my habit to argue with Bob. I said, "Oh, Bob, that poor cat is going out in the monsoon." Like this opposite. Well, it was still tonight. And the next night, Bob came along. And I thought I was going to have the cat save the cat again. And I said, Oh, the cat's been brown like that. And Baba, I think it was the only time Baba showed me power instead of love. He 
he drew himself up and he went right, I thought, right, he's going up to the sky. I mean, it looked like that, but there was power instead of love. And he said, <coughs> uh, got the ball, and he said, is this my cat or your cat? And again he went up there and I said, oh, Bob, it's your cat. I mean, you can accept these things, but I will work things out in the ashram on the people that were there, and you can accept it or not. I, I don't know what things are for. But that was the night that Churchill was sending the... Uh, everyone over to France and it was a bad weather, bad weather night and they stopped it. And the next night, they again, the weather was bad and they didn't want to send it, but some, uh, the church ordered the Navy to go and the crossing to be made. There's a very similar thing. Is this Dunkirk? No, no, long after that. <laughs> when, they were, when they got to the stage, they were going to invade France. There's no invasion. Normandy invasion? Hmm? Normandy invasion? Yes. D-Day, right? Yes. D-Day. Normandy, yes. Yes. Crossing this channel line. What was it called? Uh, D-Day. 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 Yes. D-Day. That, that was the night that Barber had this very strange. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I well, that's amazing. I, d- I don't know whether these are. I, I mean, some of these stories are strange, and people are going to accept them or not as they like. I don't. I leave people to them out themselves. You know, a funny thing. Uh, I relate this. It took place in Savannah. Elizabeth Patterson and Jane Barry Haynes visited a uh, Catholic church of somewhere in the latest location. And at the same time, that same day, the Catholics in Savannah contacted the Father of mm-hmm. It just didn't happen. It was preordained by Baba somebody. Baba wanted about something. It, 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 is very, it is quite true that you can find connections with Baba all through all the uh, uh, things that have happened in the world. Very strange things. Yep, you just look for the key. And if you look, and, and you know, but you never know at the time. It's always afterwards you find out these things have happened. Well, take uh, the famous Meredith Star, you know, the first link Baba had with the West, who left Baba. Uh, he went to live in Cyprus, and of course, after a couple of years or so, Cyprus blew up altogether. You see? He has links at, uh, nearly all the time. You can find them. But the other, th- this was a little bit different. It was the working out of things in the ashram, and they happened outside. I'll tell you another, a very amusing one. Uh, Baba was, uh, Baba had been talking to us about the war and telling us that the Japanese would still be sweeping around there doing where we were, and I don't know what wasn't going to happen. And he was warning us, and he said, now, you must all get ready for it. So he said, uh, he said to me, you read detective stories and things, uh, do you know any ways of protecting yourself and uh, killing people? I said, yes, many. (laughs) 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 You were trained. (laughs) 